Let's um, open our Bibles and continue looking at power to create wealth, power to produce wealth. I think that's the title we gave the series. Uh, let's continue looking at it. I said, said from the beginning, what we are doing is to, to establish the spiritual order of God. We are not struggling. That's not our portion. Our portion is not struggles. We are spiritual people, and God expects our lives to manifest spirituality. You hear what I said? What happens to us are not um, average things. Whatever will happen to you as a believer is not average. Many people went to prison, but when Joseph went to prison, his own prison was not average prison. It was not an average prison. It was a path to his destiny. So even though something happens to you that's happening to everybody else, never forget that. It may appear common, but it's not common. That is, the interpretation is not common. You must bear that in mind. Things that happen to us as believers... We interpret them with spiritual insight. He said, by faith we understand that the words, that is, the words were produced by the word of God. That is, without faith there is no understanding. Whatever happens to me in my life, I understand that it is a sign of something that God is doing. Whatever happens around me, the way it affects me is always specifically uh, determined by the Lord. I do not have an average life, neither do you as a believer. I hope you're getting my point. Your, your experiences are not accidents. Please, you must learn to activate spirituality around you by faith. The things of God are activated by faith. And this is what they call doubt. This is what worldliness is. It's when people are around are trying to give you the impression that what is happening to you is just like that which is happening to everybody else. That's, the, that's worldliness. They try and, you know, they want to explain it away. Doubt, I say, is every explanation why the word of God is not true. If a Christian dies, he or she died by appointment. Even if the fellow died in the midst of other people dying. Do you follow my point? Yeah, it's very important. You, you bear that in mind. I mean, Job's servants died, but we know it was a temptation for Job. Make up your mind to, you know, to receive that life that is not average. By faith, you take your life away from that which is common into that which is unique. And that uniqueness is not a, is not, um, you're not trying to, how do I say it? You're not trying to psych yourself up into uh, something that doesn't really exist. It's, it's, it's reality. What you are doing is that you are changing realms. You are moving from one realm of work to another realm of work. If money comes into your hand, know that this is money that God gave to you and it was given to you for a particular purpose. And it is right for you to ask God in prayer, what is this for? I say to you all the time, and I mean it, every dime that comes to me, I believe seriously it is sent by God. And I, I was preaching somewhere today. Told them that, listen, okay, I was talking to ministers, why they shouldn't worry about, you know, you come to church to be praying, choosing the word of God with my, for money and all of that. That is not necessary. It's not necessary. That any money that's supposed to come to me will come to me. If God gave it to you and refused to deliver it, a thief will collect it from you, spend the money, somebody else will make the money, and then bring it to me. That's just the way it works. You are the one that has lost the blessing. You can never deny me of my blessing. You are too small for that. I hope you get my point. No human being is big enough. President Muhammad Buhari cannot say I will not prosper. Why would I regard a man whose breath is in his nostrils? You get my point. That is how we Christians live. We do this deliberately. We are not deceiving ourselves. It's not self-deception. It's, it's real, the realization of that which is true. Many people are walking in a lie. People of the world are walking in a lie. We Christians walk in the truth. We walk in the truth. John said, look, I'm happy when I hear that your children are walking in the truth. It's possible to walk in the truth or you walk in a lie. You make up your mind the one you want to walk in. How do you walk in the truth? Is by faith. Is by faith. Is by faith. I don't believe in accidents. 
I don't believe in it. I've had a number of accidents in my life, in quotes, like physical accidents, which I looked back and, I, of course, even then I knew something is going on. I don't believe in accidents, even though naturally they appear like accidents. I want to tell you a story of um, when I was getting married, the Lord looked at me and said, Banky, this your traveling up and down is unnecessary. Now, traditionally, it was necessary. I married from Niger Delta. I married an Yoruba woman. And they have a little culture there, which is interesting. You travel to see important relatives. And when they say important relatives, I think I must have done, I don't know the number. It was plenty. More, more, than, a, more than a dozen. So I'm not talking about two or three people. You will hear that, ah, this auntie is very important, you will go. This uncle is very important, you will go. Except that they don't all stay in the same place. So I went from Lagos, somewhere in Benin. One or two were in Lagos, some were in Wari, some were in Saple. Uh, where else? I think I went to about five places. How many have I counted for you now? Anyway, Wari, Saple, Benin, Lagos. No, I think, I think I didn't have to go to Port Harcourt. But, you know, I remember one of my wife's uncles went to there. He traveled. Came back around that time. He's not around in my mind. Okay, whether you did or not, I go marry you. This one way you know one. So all of those days towards that uh, period, I was going to my tailor's place. So I was making my suit. And the Lord just said, Banky, it is enough. So you know what happened? I took a bike, sat at the back of a bike, and I watched it happen. I watched a mechanic taking a car out for testing, jam the bike. I was on the bike. He didn't jam the bike. You know what he did? He used the corner of his front bumper to jam my calf. It was, I know, it was not like, you know, the accidents that happened, it didn't happen. This one, we, we knew what happened. We had to come out onto the main road. He saw us, so he slowed down. But as he was slowing down, the person riding the bike slowed down too. So he picked up speed. So as he picked up speed, of course, by that time, when the man riding the bike saw that he had, he had slowed down, he had picked up speed. So he slowed down. At that point, this guy slowed down too. You know, you know as we we're doing this up and down, we we're getting closer and closer until I heard Boza. So he knocks us off balance. But funny enough, the bike didn't fall down. We didn't fall. He just knocked us off balance. After I realized that he just jammed my calf. He didn't jam the bike itself. The angel was very good. He targeted, aimed, boom, pulled his trigger. Jammed my calf. We staggered and staggered. The bike man managed to right himself back into balance. And then we stopped. And the young mechanic parked his vehicle, came out, and did the normal Yoruba thing. He prostrated to say, sorry, sir. The guy was on the floor. Oga, I am very sorry. I don't know what happened. Of course, I could see that he didn't know what happened. Even we did not know what happened. He was trying to stop. We were trying to stop. He picked up speed. We picked up speed. We did that like three times until we hit each other. So, I finished my journey. Went back to my base. Woke up next morning. And my leg was unusable. My calf was swollen tight. If you played football, you get what I say. The day of the football, you, a few injuries are not feeling too bad. Wake up next morning. That's why you realize that that tackle they gave you. It changed your life. That was it. The next three days, I was locked inside. I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk. It was my, look, to walk, you, you propel with your calf muscles. My calf muscle was severely injured. And if you know a bit about um, anatomy, it's in a case that makes the tension very high. It's wrapped in a sheath. So it, doesn't, it will swell too much. You touch it, you feel like bone. Hard. Of course, I just made sure that blood was flowing through, reaching my my toes so that they won't have to amputate my leg. <laughs> and I lay down for the next few days. And I remember very well. It was almost as if I was saying the Spirit say, it is enough. 
this going up and down is enough. They're not going anywhere again. So anybody had not seen that time remained unseen. And God gave me a good story to tell. I had an accident. <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to do? I had an accident. I remember, I remember it very well. It was not a game of chance. It was God just saying, bank is enough. Go and sit down. And there was no other way to say it because if I had the wife I want to marry, would she even agree? You know, there are things that the Lord wants to say to you. you can't, he, he knows you people are too stubborn. You won't agree. And stubbornness with God is listening to somebody else. That's all. I don't know what I get my point. When God says you are stubborn, you're actually listening to somebody else. So, Saul, instead of listening to Samuel, he will pay attention to what the people around him. That becomes disobedience to God. So the God just looked and said, how do I stop this young man traveling up and down? Make him lie down for three days. So three days, I could read because I was preparing for exams. So I could read. I could do my project. I mean, putting, you know, analyzing data, writing. I could do that. I could sit down in the house, but travel. The Lord said, no, you are not going anywhere. If I feel ill, I take it from a spiritual perspective. Even if there's an epidemic and everybody's dying, if it comes to my house, I have to ask myself what happened. Listen, with the walk in faith is deliberate. You walk in the light deliberately. You jack yourself out of the common place into the place of the spirit by faith. With faith, you interpret the things that you are seeing. With faith, you interpret the things that you are experiencing. You do that deliberately. You don't analyze situations like common people. You deliberately refuse to do that. Election happening, you analyze with spiritual insight. A man wins an election, please stop talking like average people. You know that people wear out their faith, they don't know where. It's in common talk. You know, the president of Nigeria is president because the, the, these people, they have, they, they have decided, and when they decided, you remember in 2016, they said this, and then they, they, when you finish hearing this, they, 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 you know, those days really don't exist. You don't know what you are doing every time is giving power to human beings. You just give power to human beings. When they do election happened, and what happened happened that we all know. You know, somebody actually told me that, do I know what happened? That we are streaming these things, and so I can't say. By the time the guy finished giving me his interpretation, I looked at the individual. I just said, your case is hopeless. That is, there's no other way to help you. He had read permutation for the next presidential election into that and mentioned the name of the person he said will win, and the person is being put in place, so they needed, they needed to throw away a do. I said, eh? Uh-huh. I had a question for him. How do you know? Ah. He said, I don't know. Hmm, that, that, that is me. I don't know anything. <laughs> that let him, I said, you, he said, you have been to, where did you go? I'm not aware you traveled anywhere in the last few weeks. Nobody said, no, good me and you did. He said, okay, I will see. I said, even if it happens like you are projecting, I still will not believe you. You've told me so many things like that. I, the, the fellow I'm talking about is an expert at, you know, those conspiracy Oh, no, 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 no. If a man falls down, he said, mm-hmm. do you know why he fell down? I'll say, why? Did you see the man that greeted him like that on the road? I said, yes. He said, that man is a wife, that man is a husband to the cousin of the guy who he borrowed money from and did not pay. So I said, how has that got to do with his falling down? He said, hmm. When the man shook his hand, he pulled him a bit. That's why he fell. It's because of the money he's owing the extended family. I will stand and look at him. Do you really believe yourself? 
connect everything through this. Anyway, giving power to man. Next, America is voting in two weeks or three weeks. Okay, just in a few weeks. Less than a month, they are voting. The president that we win, the Lord wrote his name by himself in the heavens. He has decreed it. All we are doing is playing out his script. God has written who will vote, who will not vote. Votes that will be missing in transit, he has decided. They, see, this is how they do in the realm of the spirit. They first choose the outcome. Then write a script to lead to the outcome. And then all you actors on the earth, you start picking your role. You'll be there saying, yeah, we're not going to agree. Yeah, we made it happen. God said, you make it happen. You couldn't make any jack happen. I decided who will win. Then I gave you your role to play. The Lord doesn't rig elections. But he works within the laws to bring his will to pass. No law on this earth can subvert his will. None. So what we do is to deliberately walk in the spirit. And one way by which we do it is to continue to interpret things around us in the way of reality. Not self-deception. It's actually walking into reality. That's what we believers do. So Christians, we understand that our lives are spiritually determined. We are not people of chance. God determines the issues of our lives. We're talking about power to get wealth. Let's remember that God supplies all our needs by himself. It's not our own plans. He supplies all our needs. He sends us food. He sends us raiment. He sends us shelter. He provides for us. That's what he does. And we receive these things from him by faith. If you have food, that's why, you see, God does not take glory recklessly. He's not begging for glory. You give him the glory due to him. I hope you're getting my point here. He's not begging for glory. You just have to give him the one that is due to him. So every time you are the Lord Jesus will eat, you will see he will give thanks. Every time the Lord Jesus will eat, he will give thanks. The reason is simply because that food is really a gift of God. God actually provided that. Jesus wasn't joking. He meant it. He knew where it came from. So he gave to the Father the glory that was due to him. I hope you're getting my point here. So that's how it is with our lives also. Everything is provided for us. Okay, so, now these are the things we bear in mind as believers. And we have been looking at that. So God's plan, God's purpose for us is that all our needs will be supplied. And we are going into um, a particular part of it today. I want to explain that seed matter again. You know, there's something I said before. That you see, what God does is to give each, give seed, and then he gives what? A body to the seed. That's how, he, that's how he does it. Paul explained that to us, right into the Corinthians. So to each body, to each seed, he has what? A body. Now, he said if you light a lamp, you don't put it under a bushel, you put it on a lampstand. That is, it is a person that lights the lamp that puts it somewhere. Please bear all these things I'm saying in mind. If you light a lamp, you that lit the lamp, we put it somewhere. If God lights your lamp, that's where I'm going, he also will by himself put you somewhere where your light can shine. I hope you're getting my point here. That is, that's what he does. So if he gives you a light, he will also arrange for the light to shine. What he gives you as an assignment is to trim your lamp. Do you get my point? He gives you an assignment to keep that light. As for how it will become known everywhere, it is his own responsibility. It is not yours. We must define roles properly in this life. He supplies seed, then you plant the seed. But Paul says something. It is God that gives the increase. 
There's a principle in life we must bear in mind. That is division of labor, which we all know. In everything, you should know what is yours and what is God's. You should know what is your portion and you should know what is the Lord's portion. When it comes to increase, when it comes to abundance, the Lord's portion is to bring fruit. The Lord's portion is to make the thing multiply. But our portion is to do what? To guard the seed and to plant the seed. So Paul will water, he will plant, Apollos will water, and he'll say it is God that gives the increase. So what you need to learn in life is how to plant, where to plant, and how to water. Now, you see, increase is not predictable. That is, you can't, you can't compel anything to happen in this life. You read a lot of business books, they make it look as if you can determine. You can't determine. This is how to grow a business. Nobody knows how to. Because people have done those how-to things, and they have failed. People have invested money massively, and the thing had failed. I remember one story I like to tell in that area is the story of Iridium. Iridium was a telecommunication network set up by Motorola. And that, that rolled out some a little over 21 years ago. All right? There's a reason why I know. Now, about, over 21 years ago, Iridium, Matula spent money. What they just wanted is for you to be able to take your phone and make a call from anywhere on the surface of the globe at any time. Sounds nice, right? So they designed, but you had to work by satellite networks. So they launched, I forgot how many satellites, over 20 satellites that they kept in space to pick signals from every corner of the globe. Do you know the company failed? Iridium failed. Do you know why it failed? It's simple. It happened to be the time that GSM was also launching. Iridium was costing over $1 a minute to make a call. A call on Iridium was over almost $2 a minute. The, because it was using satellites, the antenna was as fat as this. So you hold one phone with a fat antenna because it's transmitted to the nearest satellite. So, you see, it was satellite-based. So, it worked battery. The calls were very expensive. They were now competing with GSM. GSM had slim phones. If you remember Motorola Razor, when they came out, slim. You know, it fold, enters your pocket like this. You understand? You all hold it to your ear. The, the mass is just next door, and the calls were getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And compared to that, the GSM calls were going for less than 1% of what um, Iridium calls were going for. So Iridium could not even muster, I think, up to 50,000 users worldwide. In Nigeria, you know how many of us are on MTN network alone? Now. So it failed. Why did it fail? They didn't do anything bad. The time ran out on them. Another technology came and killed their technology. They were not needed. Who could have predicted that? Nobody. Many things are failing like that's how it is. You invest, you do this, you try, you do... As you are launching somebody with something more efficient and cheaper than yours launches, even your brother will not patronize you. What will he do? See, only God knows the future. Only God knows the future. Sometimes you know what it costs stock market investment is 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 a is a massive gamble. It's a massive gamble. I've looked at it up and down. All those projections, massive gambles. I keep on giving the example of Netscape which triggered the dot-com bust in America. What killed Netscape? Bill Gates. Netscape had a major product, Navigator. You used to browse, now you... Most of this generation don't even realize you pay for a browser. 
Because nobody pays for browsers anymore. Who did that? Bill Gates. Bill Gates released Internet Explorer with Windows 98 and Netscape died. 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 No, they called died. Simply by just releasing Internet Explorer as a bundle. That's when you buy your, lap, uh, your, your computer. It comes with Windows. All right? When you launch it, there's an Internet Explorer there. You didn't have to pay a dime extra. The cost of buying the computer has covered all that cost. Navigator needed you to buy it like we buy, download some apps now that pay. That's what they relied on. Overnight, they died. Who could have predicted that Bill Gates would do that? Do you follow my point here? Listen, in this life, it is God, and I said something last time, let me repeat it. God gives kingdoms. He, he considers somebody worthy and gives the person a kingdom. When you talk about massive wealth on this earth, there are kingdoms which God just gives to people. You think Facebook is the best thing that the social networking thing that ever came out? No. God just said, give that boy the kingdom. That's all. I can assure you, there are people who made things better than his. Because there's no kingdom for them. They will struggle and struggle and struggle. At the end of the day, they come and sell it to Facebook for a small amount of money. There's nothing you can do about it. Don't get angry. That's what life be. That's one of the best statements from Nigeria. That's what life be. That's so. That's just life for you. The kingdoms belong to God. He gives them to whomsoever he wishes. That's how he does it. So you have to bear this in mind when you are plotting in your life. That's what, that, that, that's what I'm going to explain. Let nobody give you the impression that there's a way you struggle and plot and work hard and you get some things done. No. What you can do as a child of God is what I'm teaching. Faithfulness. Locate your seed. Be faithful in tending it, nurturing it. You understand? In life, we Christians are seed sowers. We are seed sowers. What God does is to minister seed to each individual. He gives you a seed. That's it. You sow the seed that he has provided. If you need anything in life, let me quickly drop this. Don't tie your needs in life to the seed you are sowing. Don't. We talked about that, that we've taught on it when we're talking about giving and all of that. That Christians, we don't give because we want to get. You know, we've talked about that. Yeah, we don't. We give because giving is good. In the same manner, you can use that in when it comes to even business life. I'll talk about what the business is in a moment. You don't tie your personal needs to those things. If you have personal needs, pray. God does not want you to have any other God beside him. He doesn't want salary to be God to you. He doesn't want your business to be God. He doesn't want the stock market to be your God. What's your God? Your provider. What's your God? Where your resources come from. So in your mind, he wants you to separate the two. Take all these things as places where you go to go and practice faithfulness. I pray we can get to that level. What God, if you see what God plans for his children, that is no matter what you are doing, you understand, he can give you things that only the richest people can afford. What, what am I doing? I'm a housewife. I'm nursing my children, taking care of them, taking, helping my husband and all of that, taking care of family, and that's my full-time job. God says, do you want a G-class? If you say yes, say I'll get you one. It sounds crazy, like how, my husband is not even earning so much. So she, I said I will get you one. Because I'm your father, I can give you anything. The reason why we can't get some things from God is lack of faith. And that lack of faith, you know, is two sides. One of it's not that I want to close my hand and collect G-class. First, why do you need the G-class? No, that's where the faith starts from. When you take the whole thing together, God can give anybody anything. In any part of the world. Many times we, we are unfaithful concerning our seeds. 
Because we tied our supplies to that seed. So look at this seed I'm sowing. How long will I sow it to be able to build a house? How long will I sow it to be able to do this? So what do we do? We abandon the seed because somebody tells us, or somebody has told us that if you go to this place and do this kind of job, you will make money. So the seed is neglected. Many times I see people travel from one country to another looking for money. That's one of the things I try to tell them. You don't understand. It's not, you, like, your life cannot be lived chasing material things. You can't live life chasing comfort. You have to live life chasing the seed that God has placed in your heart and your hands. You can ask him for anything. You can't. When we started ministry, that time in Enugu, my wife and I, just the two of us, of course. You know, one of the prayers we prayed is that from, now, technology has changed and has made things possible. But when we were doing it, things were not like this. There was no internet everywhere. When we started ministry, we were recording on cassettes. Cassette tapes, remember that? That was what I started ministry on. Digital recording devices, they must have existed in one corner of Japan and maybe North America. But commonly, no. We had to use tapes. We'll go to some place and multiply our tapes. Then we started digitally recording, converting the things. The old tapes were converted with one old laptop, which used to take, we'll record for 45 minutes and save for 25 minutes. When you click save, it takes the laptop 25 minutes to save a 45-minute recording. My current laptop, a 45-minute recording, is a, it uses an eighth-generation Core i7 with, is it 12 or 16 gig RAM, two terabyte hard disk. If you click save on the 45-minute recording, before your hand leaves the laptop, the guy don't say finish. That one used to take us 25 minutes for a 45-minute recording. That was the job my brother Deji and I did. Doing all kinds of wired connections in the house. If you ever go to the online and listen, so don't mind some of our old recording that sound a bit squeaky. You don't blame us. They were from tapes. We didn't even have the modern-day software we have now to remove noise and all of that. So you manage the noise like that. They were the CPU, amen? But then we prayed, my wife and I prayed, that from here... The word that we are preaching, you know, just kind of prayer, just pray. You will go around the world. You just pray the prayer. I didn't even think about how, they would, how would we send the tape, because we used to get tapes around the world, physical tapes. The Red Prince tapes, I remember I used to see a particular um, shop where they used to record the Red Prince tapes for me. You buy your own tape, you see, they see charge you a hundred naira. And I was angry with them that what kind of thing is this? Are you trying to promote the gospel or just bleed the gospel? What kind of thing is this? Those are the kind of things that we, ha- we had in mind. But, you know, technology cooperated so much now that if, we drop, if you drop a new recording online, that's release something online, come back in one hour. In one hour, I see some people are waiting. I'm not even talking about podcasts, which you drop on their devices. Just a regular internet. In one hour, come back. I mean, you can check the number of people who have downloaded. You'll be amazed. It's as if they were waiting for you. From all parts of the globe, you get downloads. But it was just a prayer we prayed at the beginning. Say, Lord, he was the one that did that. First time I went on TV, some, a woman stopped me and said, look, I'm launching a radio, a TV station. All right? I wanted to come on board. That's how it was. That's how God, again, took us to radio. From one radio station to another until today, we are doing 23 radio stations all over the country. I hope you're getting my point. It wasn't, I didn't have to leave Enugu. 
didn't have to leave Enugu. We just stayed here and kept on doing what we are supposed to be doing. Now, that's ministry, but that's how it is also in every part of life. Let me talk about what business is against, because when we talk about business, talk about ministry, we think there are two different things. They operate on the same principles. You just need to know your seed and how it is operated in that area. Generally, the principles are the same. What is a business? Any structure by which you are making things happen. That's how I define a business. So ministry is business. It's just that we don't check our turnover in cash and we don't pay dividends. You can't invest in ministry and then at the end of the year we declare profit and share your portion. If you try that one, all of you will go to a special part of hellfire. I hope I get my point. <laughs> our product is different from the other things. We exchange you know, in a different mode. We generally go for freely you have received, freely you give. Do people pay? Again, they pay in a particular way. Alright? Because the Bible, there are certain scriptures. Many people disobey the scriptures. Okay? But you forgive them. But they actually require to pay in a particular way. Except that you do not tie it to... There's no fixed price. It is free. And there's a time Paul even said that I don't charge you people. doesn't mean this thing is free. He said, I preach to you. The word produces material things for you. So you should know that the person that, person that preached the spiritual thing to you should get a portion of the material things. There's a way it operates. You don't levy, you don't charge. The rich and the poor are treated exactly the same. Mercedes Benz can't afford that. They cannot treat the rich and the poor the same. They fix a price. This is a G-class bros. You want it, you give me $100,000. Whether you are rich or poor, I don't care. Just bring $100,000. So you will not decide which one you can buy. But when it comes to the word, we don't do that. It's the same word for everybody. But each one is actually a business. It's a product that is different. So what's a business? It's just a structure by which you are making something happen. I said it before. In life, everybody must make something happen. That is what life is about. What are you making happen? What are you making happen? I look around me all the time and I see people making things happen. You sit in your home. I'm a preacher, so I have to use that. Okay? Uh, let's even start with those who come here physically. You sit down. You know, the hall is air-conditioned. The seats are clean. You come in. You have sound. Sometimes the sound goes up like it did a few minutes ago. Then it comes back. It didn't come back by itself. Somebody made it happen. Somebody made the hall ready. Somebody made sure things around you are, you know, things are happening. Things are working. You're not with us in any, maybe you are somewhere in Australia or you're in a corner of um, uh, the, um, the Himalayas, somewhere up there, and you listen to us, you click and you download and it streams. Listen, if you know the process to make that happen, somebody made it happen from getting power into here, carrying the things, you know, taping the things on digital devices, putting that out afterwards, listening to them to remove all these interruptions that we find. Those of us who are here, if you listen to the message, you don't find any of these interruptions. Sometimes it's raining. We're on top floor. Our roof is a, is a nice padded, stone-coated roof, so it's, the noise is so bad. By the time you hear the recording, you don't even know it rained. We will have digitally excised all the raindrops. So you get that you hear a clean recording. You don't know what we went through. All this noise I hear, pam, 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 wah, 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 wah. you don't hear in the recordings. They are excised <laughs> painstakingly, one by one. So you sit down there, you listen to, to a message one hour, 45 minutes. <laughs> Bros, if you know what went in 
to give you one hour, 45 minutes of clean recording straight to your phone. Remember once, I think, I don't know whether I'm the one that found out. Somebody sent me a message, hey, we can't reach pastor.ng. Try pastorbanky.org, nothing. Ah, of course, instantly sent email. This one, ah, the guys were asking for things. Our server is hosted in the United States. Remember one of our brothers is over there. I just sent him a message immediately. Oh boy, I need your help now. Because the kind of thing they're asking for is typical from us from, uh, from Nigeria. They, they, anyway, they walked on our server and one man forgot to press the button. That's all. So for the next few hours, the guy was making phone calls to the people, what happened, this and that. Finally, sent me, sir, they said you should check it, it should be working now. I said, yes, thank you very much. But in your home, you don't know, just, <laughs> just click to that. Especially if you use the podcast, it's already on your device. Somebody's making something happen. I hope you're getting my point. Just using ministry as an example. And it's not only ministry, that's how life is. You go to, you go, you go pay for a, a, a flight ticket, <laughs> you collect the ticket, you sit down. If you know the number of people that make sure you don't drop from the sky. If you know the number of people, because once you are in the sky like that, bros, it's just you and God. <laughs> They check this, check that, check that. People make things happen. You take off, one hour later you're in Lagos. This is Enugu. It's about 45 minutes, one hour flight. You're in Lagos, you come down. You paid them, you think you paid. Yes, thank God you paid. We know you paid. But they give you a breakdown of what it takes to make you reach Lagos in one hour. In fact, if you go back from manufacturing of the plane, foiling it, servicing it, going for sea check, doing this, like doing all of those things, you will thank God if I you pay them double. I hope you're getting my point. What I'm trying to say is that things happen in life smoothly. Somebody's making it happen. Somebody's making it happen. So in life, and listen, I've talked about ministry, talked about things like air, uh, about um, air travel, but it's not just things like that. You're you're sitting down here. You're dressed. You're not naked. You're looking nice. Somebody's making that happen. You eat food. Somebody makes it happen. Food grows. In different parts of the country, it's shipped all over the country to your table. Somebody is participating. None of this has happened by chance. None. 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 So the question you ask yourself all the time is, what am I making happen? What am I participating in making happen? So in life, we're talking about production of goods and services. You ask yourself, where do I fit in? And as a matter of fact, what the Lord has done is to give, in, give each person ability. Each person has ability somewhere to make something happen. That should be your focus in life as a believer. What am I making happen? It doesn't have to be big. That's the point I make. You know, the story I tell all the time is um, um, Chambers' wife, Biddy Chambers. Now we have thousands of pages of printed material. That she made happen. She just married this young, let me just use the way the yap preacher sometimes. This young struggling preacher. That's what she did. There were no tape recorders, no analog, not to talk about digital. But she had a pen and she had paper. She was a trained stenographer, expert in shorthand. So she used her shorthand to write down everything the man said. Once he's preaching and she's present, She's taking notes. Then he took ill at a relatively young age, of about 43, is it 43 or 46? And he died. Terrible. 
God knew that was going to happen. But he said, well, how do I preserve this gift? He said, Bidi, marry him. She did. She wrote everything down. And when she had written enough, the Lord let him go. And then from her notes, they began to publish. Before he died, one book. One. One book. But after his death, publishing began. Every year, they bring out a new book. Sometimes two books. Do you get my point? They kept on publishing and publishing. What were they publishing from? Her notes. Incidentally, I've read many of his books. The only one I couldn't really read is the one he wrote. <laughs> that one was written with a lot of hardness in it. Let me just leave it like that. What am I going to say? She made that happen. That's what I'm going to emphasize. She made it happen. Her life produced for us over a hundred years later now a record of a deep and unique anointing. If you've read Oswald Chambers, there are not many men like him who wrote like him. He understood God in a unique way. He talked about spiritual life in a very unique way. It was a person that opened my eyes to understand the book of Ecclesiastes. If you analyze the life of Abraham for you, one of my favorite expressions from his mouth is the court of the passing moment. How to walk with God even in the midst of uncertainties. But she made it happen. She made it happen. In life, that should be your aim. What am I making happen? It doesn't have to be big as far as that is the way human beings reckon it. Some things that are big now, they were not big that time. There were things that were big those days. Now, they say that's old economy. They are now in new economy. But just, you know, there's something about walking in the will of God. Is a thought process going through your mind that determines whether you will know the will of God or not. It's not whether God whispers to you or he doesn't whisper to you. People think that it's when you hear whisperations from the, from the spirit. No. It's the way your mind is working all the time. If you have this attitude that I'm supposed to make things happen that is contributing to life, you will find the will of God for your life easily. Even though sometimes you don't hear voices. I said earlier, so we are seed sowers. That's the point I'm going to emphasize. We are seed sowers. What we do in life is to sow seeds. We sow seeds. And God gives each person a seed. And that's something I want to emphasize. You understand that the Bible makes it clear that God gives seed. And if you see the word seed, you find it. In fact, let me read. I wanted to read this portion of the scripture. We said something last time. I plan to continue it. I've not forgotten where we were. But let me start from the book of um, Psalms, chapter 25. Life has phases. The earlier parts of your life, you are training, you are being trained to be useful. You go to school, you interact, it's so that you'll be prepared to donate into life the seed that God has placed inside you. The seed comes in different ways. And I, like last time, I gave us a number of points of why, on why Christians do business. And those things actually describe the characteristics of the seed from God. Let us read this, Psalm 25. I'll read a long portion. I will, um, let me read up to verse 15. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. In you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day. 
Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindnesses, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me for your goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will abide in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. Now, please, that word descendants, okay, was translated descendants. I'm reading the New American Standard. The literal word, in fact, if you have New American Standard, it gives a literal word on the side. The literal word is seed, not seeds. The literal word is seed. And you see in the New Testament, in Galatians, Paul explained that it's important when he says seed, and when it says seeds, that seeds refer to many. Seed is of one. Please bear that in mind. He said his seed will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he will make them know his covenant. My eyes are continually toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Let me stop reading that verse 15 here. The Lord is good. Why I read this is to show a number of points. It's to let us understand that the, the plan of God for the one who fears God is that he will abide in prosperity. And he said, as that part of abiding in prosperity, he said, his seed will inherit the land. So that's what I want to emphasize. The fact that there is a seed. Now, when he was talking about this, of course, what comes to mind immediately is that the natural, that is the human offspring, children, all right? But I also like the fact that he used the word seed. He could have said children or son. He chose the word seed. And why do I like that? Because, you see, there was one thing that John said. He said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. He said, this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Now, but you see, what John did was that he first introduced a principle to us before he talked to us about faith. He said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, years ago, I used to wonder, because I was taught that we are children of God. So I thought he should have said, whoever is born of God. I checked all kinds of translations. They maintained what John said, which is what? Whatever. Now, I'm putting that beside seed to let you know that seed is not always a whoever. Sometimes seed is a whatever. So his seed will be mighty on the earth. You read from Psalm 119. Oh, is this Psalm 119? Sorry. Uh, from... Um, which one do you read just now? 25, yes. But the other one I want to refer, I think it's Psalm 112 or so. That his seed will be mighty on the earth. Saying the same thing. That is, that seed refers to whatever the fellow produces. And that's where I'm going. Whatever God produces through a human being on this earth, a child of God, a godly one, he said it will be mighty on the earth. You know, when he said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. It was later I now realized, of course, that was many years ago now. There is not only whoever that is born, whatever is born, business is born, marriage is born. Do you get my point? Ideas are born. There are all kinds of things that can be born of God. For example, um, 
Joseph, his idea of preserving the nation was born of God. It overcame poverty. It overcame, you understand, the lack that would have come into their lives as a result of the famine. Why? Because something from him was born of God. You are getting the principle here. So, it is not only whoever, whatever. So, bear it in mind. So, each of us has a seed. And what God does is to give that seed. If we plant it, he will give it what? A body. What is a body? Now, listen to me. I said this earlier. I gave these two people as examples. Mary Kay Ash and um, Henry Ford. That Henry Ford, the Ford Motor Company was a body. The seed, actually, that God gave to him was a way to handle production. The seed was not the car. The seed was not the machines. The seed was not money. The seed was how to handle production, how to treat staff, how to handle people that work with you, how to make them more efficient, how to deliver products to people at better prices, that is lower prices, even though you don't have competition, how to make your products reliable. And he said that that is the success of the Ford Motor Company. It's not about the machines. It's about these things I wanted to do. I did them in that Ford company, and everybody saw how the, let's use the biblical word now, how the seed overcame. That which was born of God overcame. I hope you're getting my point. I gave her the example also of Mary Kay Ash. That Mary Kay said it was not about cosmetics. It was about marketing. Her issue was about marketing. How do people market she said, oh, this is how they should do it. Okay, let me experiment, she thought, with a product. So she decided to start marketing cosmetics. And she became, he wasn't trying to manufacture cosmetics or distribute cosmetics. The seed was about how to be fair when you are dealing with your marketers. I hope you're getting my point. So that you now go, and these two people have heard different testimonies about it. They are studied. Their business ideas are now studied in business schools. Harvard actually would make case studies of these people to teach people how to do business. So you see, what God did was to plant, a, put a seed in them, and they went out to plant it. I said something earlier, I should say it again. When you, because it's so important, that's why I need to say it again. When you are protecting anything in life, protect the seed. There's a reason why you decided to go, first, before let me say there's a reason why. There must be a reason why you are going out to do something. Let's start with that. You want to enter into a, a, an industry where everybody is... We are talking Christianity here. Everybody is doing it. There was a time in Enugu as an example. I wanted to start open a bookshop. As a banker, you wanted to open a bookshop. You like to sell books. Not really. What just happened was that I went around town, and I couldn't get good Christian books. I went around town. I could not get good Christian books. This was... I came to Enugu 20 years ago. So I began to look for a shop, a small shop, so I could store the kind of books I felt were faith-building that I used to read. I literally couldn't find them in Enugu. I'm not exaggerating about that. Then one day, a friend of mine told me that, ah, this bookshop has opened. The name just escaped me now. There's this Bible I keep here. The, the woman who owned the bookshop was one that gave it to me one day. I wanted to buy from her. Hidden treasures, yes. So he came and said, oh, this, this bookshop has opened. I got there and saw the kind of books they stocked. So I canceled my idea of having a bookshop. Why? The need had been met. I wasn't trying to make money. I just wanted these books available in town that Christians here need to read. You are going into a place where everybody is doing something. I, I, this is my personal advice. 
If it's hunger, that's your problem. Go and get a job. Until you have a seed. Something everybody is doing, you can't see something you will do differently. What do you want to add to it? 500 people are already doing it, and you want to be the 501st doing it exactly the same way. There's no need. I'm not saying you can't do it. What I said is what? Exactly the same way. My advice to you is don't bother. Until you find something you want to, want to add. For example, I want to put my, fa- my factory. All the factories that manufacture this, they are in maybe Lagos or Gun. And, hey, come on, there's a, there are a lot of farmers here who produce their raw materials. If we have a, an industry around here, we'll emp- can you see the way we're reasoning now? We want to empower these farmers by buying these things off them, giving them more value for what they are doing. That's what I'm talking about, seed. Because in life, you, that is what God will defend for you. That is what he's going to defend. This thing you want to add into life. Whatever you want to, that's what you're supposed to protect. Because what happens in life is as you grow, temptation will come to move you from one level to another. It will require you to sacrifice your seed. And that's one thing you must never sacrifice. Rather let the body die if necessary. Because when the first body dies, it always comes out with a resurrection body. That's the way it works. In fact, that first body often abides alone. I hope I get my point. What you cannot afford to lose is a seed. And that is why, again, I'm dropping by the side. If you are doing something many people are doing, make sure at least you are doing it much more excellently. You go to an industry where disappointing customers is their life. I don't want to mention anybody's name, that they're in industries, but you know them. Disappointment is their portion. If they say, come and collect your product in three days, just add 10 to it. You get into that kind of thing. That's the kind of thing you say, no. This one, there must be a reason. Why are human beings always like this? Is there a sin inside that industry? Let's go and correct that sin. That's what I mean by seed. There must be something that we are adding to life as believers. Now, remember I said something last time, that's what I'm picking up from. We ended it last time there. I mentioned the, num- the reasons why Christians do business. And I want to use that one to explain the characteristics of the seed. I said, listen, we are seed sowers. If God wants to bless the earth, he sends somebody. I hope you're getting my point. Anytime God wants to bless an environment, he sends somebody. Somebody is always an answer. That is, the answer to prayer is a person. For example, Israel had needed to leave Egypt. So what God did was to send who? Moses. Now, Moses would have been an eternal failure if his life did not involve deliverance of the people of Israel. He was not giving life for any other reason. Sometimes some people, they have so failed, God will just rush them, marriage, two children, and die. Because God is tired of them. So let me collect a portion of my seed in those offspring. He does that. He was going to do with Israel. When they were misbehaving in the wilderness, you know what I said? What, what he said? I will, I will kill them here. Then those are your offspring. So you who don't want to do my will, let's work with the next generation. That's what God does. Alright? So Moses, he was, his answer was, that is, he was an answer to prayer. 
the cries of the people of God brought forth Moses. Your job is to go and deliver the people. It is not, it's not everything that will always be that dramatic. There are many things that are not that dramatic in life. Education may not be that dramatic. Um, industry around. You know, creating jobs may not be that dramatic. But you must understand that God intends to redeem every corner of this earth while it is still standing. I hope you're getting my point. For example, we cry about a lot of things concerning our nation. God will say, you don't like Nigerian police? He said, if you answer, there's no trouble. That many of you are shouting answers. Did I not offer you jobs when you graduated from school to join police? You say, lie, lie. Then you're not matching that your answers. Are you smoking something? Last time I was, I traveled with Nduka, we were talking about it. So I was just thinking about one of the ways they can redeem, reform Nigerian police. We're just talking about all this answer stuff. And he said when he was in school, I think he said, is it the IG or a commissioner or somebody? Relative or one of your, what did you tell me that time? No, tell, tell me, remind me. A commissioner of police came to your faculty or something, to the department, university students, and offered all of them express admission into the police, told them the rank they will be put on, they go for a training, you will come on this rank. Not one person volunteered. Not one. Not one. The man couldn't get one person, but they can match. Answers. They can match. But you know, if, if Glow Mobile, or shell producing has gone to that department and said, we are thinking of uh, people that may come and just be watching our uh, security guards in our, what do you call it, oil fields and our base stations. We could take you for training in Israel where you learn how to be good security guards. Do you know how many of the class will go? <laughs> Why? Because we are not seed-minded. We are not seed-minded. Stop marching until you are ready to join the police. Stop marching. Because, you see, you have to match your, in your, your words with actions. Of course, I'm not saying that every, all the tens of thousands on the road now marching are going to become police officers. But you cannot so look down on the profession that you won't let your children or your cousin join. Then you want it to get better. You're wasting time. What actually what happened that time was I was just trying to explain that more, you know, more enlightened, educated you know, people should be absorbed into the police and given a kind of training. I was just, we're just talking about how they can do reforms and all of that. I said, I said you go to uh, NYC camp and you know, persuade them to join. He said, Oga, he has been there before when the man came to the department to pass. Not one person responded. They were university students. The man couldn't get one person. But those university students can go and camp on the road and be dancing and chopping and shouting and shouting answers and, and don't start what. I'm not here trying to talk politics or police business now. I'm trying to explain the seed principle. You must understand that life is an assignment. So when I say join police, I didn't say that you will become rich tomorrow. That's not what I'm trying to explain. I'm not trying to persuade you that it's another way of earning good income and becoming very wealthy. I didn't say so. I've told you something before. Please don't forget it. Whatever you want from the Father, ask him for it. Then get up and start sowing your seeds in the appropriate way. The appropriate seed. But because when God wants to redeem a place, he sends his answer as people. That's why I give that as an example. 
A lot of people who complain, complain, complain. How they finish complaining? The earth was, is without form and void. Darkness is upon the surface of the nation. And the spirit, upon the, surface, uh, the spirit of God is moving over the surface of Nigeria. Therefore, God said, let's get a visa. Come on. Mass is better. Mass is farther away from the sun. So it's cooler. We won't have to worry about global warming. It will be martial cooling we'll be talking about. Was that what he said? No. He turned around and said, light be. And he said, you are the light of the world. So when God wanted to bless the world, change the earth, what did he say? He said, you be light. The way he reformed the earth at the beginning was to speak light into existence. And Jesus came and said, hey, light is being spoken into existence. Who is the light? Ye are the light of the world. Every decadence you see around, somebody is a blessing of God in that area. That is the point I'm trying to make. Let's talk about business thing we're talking about. So whenever you want to do, just ask yourself, what kind of blessing am I supposed to be? God has not sent us out to go and be looking for food. He has sent us out to go and be a blessing. He said to Abraham, I will bless you. You will be a blessing. The reason why God blesses people is so they can be a blessing. You will get to a point in life. They did a study in America. Um, I can't remember where I heard it from. Some people did some study and realized that for the American system, what I just want to bring out is not the facts, it's not the figures, it's the principle that is being um, uh, uh, explained there. They say once you cross an income in New York now, that area, of $200,000 a year. Now, don't do mathematical calculation into Naira. We're not talking money. Because there are many New Yorkers who are millionaires. All right? But they say once you are earning $200,000 a year, that it's not possible to be happier, no matter how much extra you earn. They found out that they, for them in that area, money as improving your happiness caps out at around $200,000 in a year. Now, I told you before, Bill Gates, earns, there was a time, I don't know whether it's a yearly thing, but he earns billions every year. Okay, there was a particular year he earned $4 billion a year. Don't be, don't be too impressed. Dangote did $700 million, I think, the year before the last, from only Dangote Cement alone. How much was it in Naira at that time? Naira. 200 something billion Naira was paid to him as dividends in one year. Some of you have said, ah. Yeah, it's real calculation. But that time we worked out to about $700 million conversion rate at that time. So people earn money. But those that those would have studied said, listen, once you cross for New York area now, two hundred thousand dollars a year, that you don't get happier. You can acquire more. They're not saying you can't acquire more. Yeah, maybe you will now go and buy a house in Trump Towers. Maybe instead of driving Ford, you start driving Lincoln. Instead of driving Ford, maybe you go move over to Mercedes Benz. But they really want to check everything. You 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 max out happiness at $200,000 a year income. Because with that, you can pay your mortgage, you can pay, for most of the time, their children's school fees, change your car. So, but people keep on anymore. That's where I'm going. People keep on keep on anymore. Why? I'll tell you. It's simple. Because you are blessed to be a blessing. And let me tell you something about money. Money is very funny. No matter how mad you are, you have no choice. People will be blessed by your money. No, even if you are extremely stingy, 
people will be blessed by your money. Say, Pastor Banky, prove it. I said, I'm not going to give anybody. I know. Where will you keep it? In your father's house? Where? They lend it out to other people. The more you keep, the cheaper the interest rate is. I don't know whether I get my point. The more you keep and refuse to spend, the lower their interest rate. Somebody will be blessed by your money. If you say, listen, what I will do, I will build myself, build myself bigger houses. All of us will say, praise God. It's called what? economic activity. So those boys going around with diggers every morning carrying pan and all of that. They've gotten job for the next one year. Money has a very funny way of behaving. It doesn't, it doesn't die. That's one of the greatest things God has done for this country in recent years is to ban exportation of stolen wealth. If you, don't st- if you can't export money you stole, it doesn't matter. Stealing it or not doesn't matter. The country will develop. It, it will. It will. Go to Abuja, collect 10 billion naira. We know guys who do it. Maybe you come home. Abi? When you come, what do you buy? You buy land. Land that was 1 million. Because now you have come. It's now 6 million. Praise God. It's 6 million naira they are giving to that fellow. Who can now go and spend in the market? Who, the market women can now sell more. Then you now build a house. Architect, good job. Engineer, good job. Electrician, we eat. Mason, we eat. Carpenter, we eat. Diggers, we eat. In your wickedness, children will finish university. The bigger the house, the more they can pay. Some people, when you lay foundation, their children gain admission. When you finish the house, they graduate. Praise God. <laughs> and it's all your money. You didn't touch anybody anything. No? The father worked regularly for you. But the father was kept busy for four years while the boy was reading. So you, you won't know why that man is praying for you. With all your wickedness, he's praying for you. <laughs> so when he, when he hears you're on trial for stealing, he says you're a good man. He doesn't even know why you're saying you're a good man. <laughs> because the first stealing you did, two of his children have finished university now. <laughs> he released you, let him just steal two more times, and then my cousin's guy. <laughs> That's why this life, eh? just learn generosity so that God can bless you directly. So you can have eternal blessing. Because no matter how much you want to be stingy, that blessing is still going out. It's still going out. Sometimes when God is tired of you, you will make a thief break in and steal. It's just to share out the blessing. Sometimes if you say, okay, kill that man so that his wife can spend the money. Listen, in life, eh? God gave us life so we can be a blessing. That's what I'm make. So you have to have it in your mind. I must be a blessing. I must be a blessing. It's not about food. God's commandment is that you will have food to eat. He has done life in such a manner that he only put hunger there to make us responsible. Otherwise, he has enough resources to make everybody eat freely. If the whole earth stops farming and you just let things grow naturally, the amount of mangoes that we grow, the amount of palm trees that we grow. You think we, they need us to farm all the time. It's, it's, it's our special eating needs that this farm is. Listen, leave, leave all the animals in the bush. You, listen, you will change bush, enough fruit in the bush. Sure you know that. Lions, they farm. Did they starve? No, they don't starve. The Bible says it clearly that God provides food for them. They just get up in the evening to go and collect. But why did he put hunger there? It's simple. It's to train us to be responsible. That's what I'm going to make. 
So we believers, we understand that. So what we do is, as, listen, so whatever I want to do, I, I began it last time, so that's what I'm talking about, the characteristics of the seed. The seed of God in each individual is a blessing that God has prepared. That is why you don't look at life like, with what can I grab? Let me say another thing again. I wanted to say it earlier, but I forgot. Let me just say it now. Spiritual things work funny. But it's an important principle you must bear in mind. You just have to trust that principle. It's not those who are looking for something that get it. Whoever wants to save his life, what happens? He will lose it. But those who don't care about losing their lives, what happens to them? They are the ones that find it. That principle is important. It's important we bear it in mind. Though, listen, this, the way we Christians have learned to pray sometimes is a problem. This one of focusing our prayers on what we get is the reason why we don't get anything. God appeared to Solomon and gave him an open check. Write anything you want. He wrote one word, wisdom, and gave the check back to God. God looked at the check. All you wrote is wisdom. He said, yes, my Lord. So why do you write, write wisdom? I'm very young. The task is enormous. I need the wisdom to be able to execute the task. Goes all right, good. He signed the check, stamped it. Wisdom will deliver to you. He brought other checks, started writing. Long life, added to it. Prosperity, added to it. Joab, added to it. All your enemies, your brother, Adonijah, added to it. He said, all those who are plotting against you, he added to the lives of your enemies. He said, oh, that check on prosperity, can I have it? He, he removed the date. I said, you can cash it every year for the rest of eternity. That's so that nobody will ever live as rich as you are. Why? Because I gave you the opportunity to ask for money. You realize that it's ephemeral. It's not important. So if you can have that attitude towards it, I will give you so much of it. I will give you so much of it that people coming after you will not even... Listen, if you go back to Solomon, Mike Mudok wrote a book on it, The Secrets of the Richest Man Who Ever Lived. Solomon was exceedingly wealthy. He made Joseph and Pharaoh look like paupers. If you read in between the lines, Solomon did not... You know, we know him for wisdom. Just like that boy, I don't know why he went and spoiled this thing with women. Let's not go there. Didn't they pay me? It's paying me. Is it 4,000 or 6,000 years later? I don't know. It's still paying me. <laughs> because if you read carefully, Solomon had the best vineyards in the world. He designed them. They produced grapes. The type the world had never seen. I'll tell you something you probably never knew. He knew genetic engineering. Solomon could specially breed animals. His agriculture was impeccable. On top of that, he knew how to import, refine, and export. Read your Bible well. Solomon was, he had fleets of ships moving gold from where the best gold could be found. He would move the ore down, process them in Israel. That was the reason. Gold was being processed in Israel. That's why everybody there was rich. That temple of Solomon was impressive, but was not unusual. The house of Solomon was massive. And so was it with all his princes. When they say princes and all the other rulers, businessmen in Israel that followed Solomon had no choice but to be rich. Why do you think he got 1,000 wives? Everybody wanted to give him a wife. You think he was chasing 1,000 women? Lie, lie. 
Solomon probably chased like two girls in his life. The rest, donation. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Ada, go inside, go inside. <laughs> That is, everybody brought him a gift. <laughs> the women were gifts. Kings want to be friends with Solomon. They say, ah, the man they take women, have you? Give her one girl from this side so he can be our in-law. That's misuse. Of course, that's what happens. Sometimes in life, you have to be careful. If God gives you a blessing, you have to know how not to make it go, you know, run you mental. God's blessings is another assignment. To be able to manage it. To be able to manage it is another assignment. Let's not go into that now. But I just want to bring out the fact that Solomon was so rich. And what was the reason? He did not ask for money. Do you know the truth? With all of this that we have learned, Christians still want to pray. All they're asking for is money. Because what, what, what do I do to these people now? I've shown you that the richest man who ever lived did not ask for it. Then you want to pray, say, Tonight. You will pray. Say, this year is my year of million. You will sow a seed right now. <laughs> if, how many people are waiting for 50 million here? You will say, Lord, what is the division of 50 million by 100? Because 100 fold is what we are going to get. Now say it's 500,000. Say, hmm. People, the pastor don't plan. He didn't know before until now 500k. Just like saying, now in the thinker. Say, if you want to receive with you, and you know what happened? You will see us running up and down. People will be bringing out checks. One man said a good Christian comes to church with his checkbook. I said, why? <laughs> I couldn't understand. Why does a good Christian come to church with his checkbook? You know, pastors who say that, they, know, they need to put you on impulsive giving angle. If I don't come to, if you say, seriously, can I go back home to get it? Did I go to my children's school with my checkbook, my children's school with the checkbook? When it's feast time, we write it for them now. Is that not so? But you know, we are so focused on it. And I say, ah, there's a miracle about to happen. Miracle money. I saw one guy the other day. I said, listen, if you don't love money, God, can, God will find it very easy to deliver you. The guy said, ask the woman, what do you want? He said, I want miracle money. Hey, she wants miracle money. <laughs> Let me do miracle. The guy brought her, collected the woman's bag. Do you see anything inside? Did you say anything? Say no. He didn't Then he opened the bag. Money began to fall out, and he too fell on the floor. I said, "The madness of the prophet. All of them have gone mad." And the whole church was there clapping. I said, "This is in Daboski. There is nothing happening here." <laughs> this is pure magic, you know. And I've I've seen programs like that. If you watch American Girls Talent, they do for magicians. These guys produce something out of nothing. But Christians go to church to go and say they are looking for miracle money. Yes, Solomon, God gave him to us clearly for us to know that if you want money, it is not those who look for money that get it. That principle is important. Be, put it in mind. If, if the only thing that I will achieve in this series is to help us put our minds at rest, I feel satisfied. Because when you have removed that from your mind, then you can follow the sowing of your seed. We're talking about the seed. So the seed is primarily first a way by which you bless people. So I said last time, why do Christians uh, do uh, do business? One, to be a blessing. Remember I said, when we're talking about business, please allow me to mix it with ministry because that's what I do. 
So, even though it's not a typical business, but business we said is any structure by which you are making this happen. One of our brothers sent me a message <laughs> yesterday. I replied him today. Interesting message. Let me just read it to you. Was well, the way he worded it that just made me laugh. He said, please keep teaching us. He said, as though through your ministrations, the Lord brings together on common insight for the generation. Just send that to me. I think it leads to one of our messages. He said, okay, please keep teaching. That through your teachings, God is bringing on common insight for the generation. So I laughed. I said, okay, we'll go try. By his grace. All right? Now, this is where I'm going. No matter what, the, the, the teach thing has been in me for a very long time. Even before many kingdom was started. When, when kingdom was started, that's why people talk about church growth. I learned church growth principles those days, which I found that most of them are not true anyway. But I learned them those days too. When I was, I was trying to start ministry, I was not into the typical church thing. Nothing wrong with the normal church thing. Just that that was not how God led me. But one of the reasons why it didn't bother me, all right, whether I get, got a big ministry or did not, no one reason why it didn't bother me. You ask my wife, in fact, I wanted my wife to tell me to stop saying that and that it's not good. Where we used to be? I said, listen, I don't want too many people to come because it means we have to move, which really happened. When the place became too tight, we had to move. You understand? Then we moved over here. And then, which is already, you know, we have this hall, we have the other one. So if we continue like that, then we have to move. Why I said to her at that time, I used to say that. I said to everybody that I wasn't so interested. was that my target was not popularity. My target was not direct crowd. I wasn't looking for papa title, nothing like that. We don't even meet on Sundays. My target was simple. These things that God had placed inside me, I needed to bring them out. That was why... It happened at the time that we could not record and use our speaker at the same time. We had, you know, those are the early days, technical issues here and there. So there was a time I preached with two microphones, one feeding the recorder, one feeding the speaker, the small speaker we had. I held the two. And there was a particular day I could only hold one. That, okay, it was before that one, before I decided to hold two mics. I decided to hold a mic that would feed the recorder. As for those who are listening, if you don't hear me, well, don't worry, you'll get the tape later. The reason because the tape was more important to me than the immediate presence. I hope you're getting my point. It was more important to me that the things were recorded. You know, it's, it's very funny. I, I've gone to church before. I remember one of my guys invited me to his church. You know, there are times you just, you know you preached. I was, does it happen to you like that? You go preach, finish. You say, you know, say, nah, I did anointed. So boy, that was anointing flowing. I flowed this anointing for four days. I think four or five sessions in the four days. At the end, I said, oh boy, where the tape? said he did not record. I looked at him like, what? You did not record? How is that possible? Ah, you know, I was recording this thing. So it happened, it's for some time. Ah, I was looking at him like, people like you exist? You know, do you get my point? I couldn't believe it. Because my whole life, hmm? we've been preaching in Kingdom World Ministries in 2003. That is, we had a meeting like this, 2003, 17 years now, all right? In all those years, it's not more than two. Okay, let me push three. I remember two, but let me just say third one. It's not more than three that you look for, you will not find. In a year, we release, I don't know how many messages now, but definitely, maybe close to 100. And I'm saying all these years, it's only, initially it was once a week, they moved it to, maybe like two, you can't find that, you preach on this particular day, we can't find it. And that's because something happened one of the, those days. We finished recording. Before we could save, the computer crashed. 
Are you getting my point? So you can imagine how it feels to me. When somebody, I, I preach for you for four days. As for the tape, you can't find, yeah, okay, we did not. So in my mind, next time I'm coming, either I don't come or I come with my recorder. And this is, I go around with recorders. I don't record as much as before because now I don't preach tired. You know, I don't preach. Huh? I was, it's almost nothing I want to preach to you. I have not preached before. Not all the time. Today, the way I went this afternoon, because it's not the group, kind of group, I, it's ministers alone. I went to preach for this afternoon. This one, I carried my recorder. I don't want to hear story after because I said this one is ministers alone. And with, I mean, Israel has already collected the message from me that don't worry, he'll clean this out for me, you know, purify everything and then give it back to me. And of course, I'll put it, put it online for, for people who are in ministry, yes, to listen to. Now, what I wanted to say, for me, that's the seed. That's the seed. That's what God placed in me to bless my generation. So when my mother said that your mates are building their own houses now, many years ago, like, when are you going to start? I said, those are my mates. How many of them are teaching the word of God on radio? That's what I said to her, flat. There is a seed. And that's, listen, in life, that's what you should try and identify if you can. That is there's something you, God placed inside you to bless the generation. There is something he placed inside you to bless the generation. So when you go out to do business, the primary thing you want to give to them. You have skill in different areas. You should want your skill to bless people as many as possible. Not make money from it. You know, there's something Henry Ford said. Henry Ford said, Henry Ford kept on reducing, he started his cars out on like about $2,000. Over the next few years, he dropped it to like $600 and something. Not because of competition. But he just kept on saying, people need to be able to drive these cars. If it's this price, they can't buy. So what can we do to make it cheaper? So he kept on devising ways to make it cheaper. And that's one reason why he went into that mass production method that he was using. The aim was to make it cheaper so that more people could be blessed by his, let me use the word, ministry. I hope you're getting my point. The number one reason, I said we're going to go through them. I gave us the list last time. The number one reason why we do business as people is what? To be a blessing. You see yourself as a blessing. I'm supposed to impact your life positively. At the end of the day, listen, I should have given more to you than you are giving to me, even though you are paying. Yeah, you give me cash. But in real value, I should have the satisfaction that I put more in your life than you are giving me as cash. I hope you're getting what I'm not explaining here. Why? Because I'm a blessing. I'm a blessing to you. I'm a blessing to you. I will do the best I can to make sure there's no hindrance between me there's no hindrance before me concerning my ability to bless you. I have to find a way. So I keep on improving my ability to deliver my blessing. Now, can you see the way I'm using the word blessing? My blessing to as more people as possible. I keep on, that is, I'm adding more to the number on a daily basis, and God keeps giving me wisdom with you to do that. That's what happened to the man Henry Ford. He kept on, look, if he finds that, look, listen, if we do this this way, we use this particular method. We can cut the price of the cars down slightly. For him, you know what he called success when he came to the cars? How many they sold a year? Not how much money they made. Now, you say, but it's the same thing. Not necessarily. It depends on where your focus is. His only is that, listen, if 10,000 people buy the cars, we've been able to bless 10,000 people. But we're selling the cars at $2,000. Hmm. What would it take for us to give it to 100,000 people? Then he starts working on how to cut the price, cut this one, cut them. Make, of course, he didn't compromise on quality as much as, he, as much as he could. He tried. So for him, success is that, aha, we have brought the price to a level where now we can reach 100,000 new people. To him, the success, see, 
That's why I said at the beginning about those who counted money, that once you cross a particular level, you can increase happiness when it comes to what you are getting. But you know you can increase satisfaction. Yes, as a believer, concerning the number of people you are reaching. Personally, it makes me happy when I, you know, we get emails and people, if I, one of our sisters I saw once, when I saw her, I couldn't, I said, ah, look at you. I said, I couldn't recognize you. She laughed. He said, sir, you don't know what God has done in my life. We're talking about the teachings I've been listening to. That the words you've been preaching, they've so changed me. Literally, when I saw her, I said, ah, this lady looks like I know her from somewhere. Then she got closer. Ah, you? And she laughed. She said, the word has worked in my life. It is satisfying. I hope you're getting my point. I said earlier, pardon me, I'm a preacher, so I keep on using that. Okay? But it can be like that for, that is, whatever it is that you are doing. You go to, to an area, you see a product that you made, somebody using it, maybe one day you travel to Dubai, you enter a shop, you look on the wall. Mm-mm. That looks like mine. Just makes you feel good. We're a solution to a problem. And so when we talk about business now, it's not just buying and selling. It can be the reason why we are joining the police. Amen? Yes. You know, thank God for the anointing to teach. But you know, as I began to grow up in life, okay, when I got into university, you know, there's a way you learn when you're young. You learn because you're told something. One plus one is two. You're not persuaded, but you know it. You know, you're not persuaded. What I mean is that you don't understand how come one plus one is two, but you know it is two. Every time they tell you, you know it is two. They tell you, okay, let me leave one plus one. One plus one is easy to persuade everybody. You can count, you count your, you do count caps. Bottle caps. All right. That's just count bottle caps. But let's leave uh, bottle caps. Have you ever, okay, the one that for me was most striking was um, Newton's second law of motion. Some, some people say, Pastor, don't go near there. <laughs> Newton's second law of motion for me was very interesting because I memorized this in secondary school. I had to memorize it before every exam. First law, I didn't have a problem. Every object continues a state of rest or uniform motion in a straight line. That was easy, easy. I mean, put something down, you can easily demonstrate the law of inertia. Very, very easy. Then the third one is, was the easiest. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. That was also very easy. We could blow a balloon. The second law of motion was the one I found trickiest. I had to memorize it. Then once I was in, when I was in university, then we had the course again, I think physics one, two, four or something. And I think for the first time, it clicked that the rate of change of momentum is directly proportional to the force applied. There was something that the person explained. It just clicked. I got angry. I was angry because it was so simple. Why didn't anybody explain it to me? I now looked back, I realized I was taught physics by people that did not know physics. Apart from one Ghanaian teacher we had. Most of my other physics teachers did not know physics. I'm sorry. Oh. They knew the diagrams. They knew the calculations. They did the formula. But to know physics, no. Our Ghanaian teacher knew it. All right? Now, why am I saying this? My teacher did not. One day I asked one of the teachers. Two of them combined. What's the difference between alternative current and direct current? And I wanted to know because I couldn't understand the difference. And the first teacher looked, was giving us lessons before, like holiday lessons before um, YEC. He looked and he got confused. And he honestly admitted that he was a bit confused. Secondary school. The other guy was standing at the back. And he tried to explain. 
And you know the best way to explain things to people is use an example. You know the example he gave me? Trafficator. <laughs> like what? You look back, even then as a little boy, I knew it was not possible. Trafficator is just something cutting off and joining back, cutting off and joining. That is not the difference. TK is a trafficator. I finally understood the difference between alternating current and direct current sometime in university, I think. I don't even think it's in my studies directly because I, I like science, actually. I read things. But as I was going on, I said, well, this thing is simple now. Again, I got angry. So as time was passing, I wanted to be a teacher. My reason, one reason, was that most things students don't know is because the teachers did not teach it well. That was my conclusion. Most things students don't know, not all. Like I tell my wife's teachers that, listen, anything the child does not understand is your fault. Anything he forgets is his fault. But anything he does not understand is your fault. I don't care how you want to do it. Even if it's dy dx, you know what they call dy dx? Differentiation. Whether it's any form of calculus, if, the, if you cannot break it into real life, you don't know what you're saying. When I'm teaching, examining medical students, one of the things I tell them to do is, I'll give them a diagnosis as an example, maybe a particular tumor. I say, explain it to your friend who's a law student. I tell them as a rule, no medical jargon, not one word of medical jargon. This guy is a lawyer. He does not know carcinoma. He does not know invasion. does not know differentiation. does not know mitotic figures. You've seen all the results. It's his father's results. Explain the importance to him. That's what I want. I wanted to explain it in straight language. I just wanted to tell him, this is what this means. This is what's going to happen. This is what we're likely to Just explain it to him in common language. I say, if you can't, you don't know it. Nine times out of ten, you know what I hear? The same medical jargon that, and if you want to annoy me, disobey my direct instruction. When I say use no medical jargon, if you use it, only God will say I shouldn't you know, hold you by the neck. They just, most of them can't. Why? They've not interacted enough to learn it. I learned this long ago. So, you know where I'm going? That was why I wanted to be a teacher. In my, I wanted to be a teacher. I just thought it's not fair. Why should you teach children physics? And you yourself, you don't know the difference between direct current and alternating current. What hope do they have? If the light that is in the class is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here, the light of the class. When I was a resident, we used to have seminars and all of that. One of my chiefs, a professor in the, in the in, in University of Lagos now, one day she was our senior registrar at that time. So she said, I finished explaining something. She finished, she got up and let, when she was, she was the one that supervised it. He said, I must confess, you make a very good teacher. To me, I never forgot it. This was around 1996, thereabout. And I was teaching doctors, my mates, doing a seminar. When I finished, he said, you will make a very good teacher. Once, two of my seniors went for an exam, they did not pass. And one of the reasons they did not pass was that they took a quarter of the ex- questions from my department. They are not in my department primarily. So one of them sent for me and said, Banky, they told us if we want to understand, we should call you. So I said, no problem. We fixed an appointment with two ladies. I went to their office. So we took questions, a number of topics, at a small board. I still remember very well. I would explain something to them. So they would look at each other and burst into laughter. He says, is that what it means? They will burst into laughter. I just do a small sketch. I'll break the words down bit by bit. And that each of these words have a meaning. You do not need to memorize it. This is what it means. 
She said, so this thing can be like, oh, they were getting angry too. Like, why was it hard all this while? I just told them to the basics. Adoration ground crisis. That was 2001. Which year was that? 2002. When was it? Okay. Anyway, early 2000s. A lot of people died. I was called upon to come and determine why they died, whether somebody shot them, poisoned them, or whatever it is. So me and some of my colleagues went. We finished all the examinations, the autopsies, and I was one that the main person, so I wrote the report, submitted, didn't think anything of it until one day I got called to show up before a judicial, a judicial panel of inquiry into the crisis. People, about 14 people died. I examined 10, 10 of them, my friends and I. So, I didn't even think anything that day. That day, I, I, you know this life, good to be prepared, though, and God will help you, amen. They said I should come. I didn't think it was anything. I thought we'd just come and give a testimony and go. But that day I was leaving. I don't know whether it was my wife or me that just said, why don't you just wear a suit? So I wore a suit. I sat down there, I saw a camera. Again, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't know this would be shown worldwide. They were recording everything, every statement I made. I spoke for two hours. Why I'm telling the story is this. I remember the, I think, I don't know whether I was the chief justice of Enugu State at that time. A number of judges and other important people in the society, they were sitting down there. So I will read out from the report. I'll just say to them, let me just make this simple for you to understand. Of course, I think only one person there was a doctor or something. So for the other people, I'll just go ahead and I'll just break it down that when we say this, you know, this call is like this. I'll just break it down to common street language, why this person died from somebody stepping on the chest when they were rushing to get out of the place and all of that. I still remember the chairman of the panel, his hand was like this. So when he finished, he said, he said, Doc, I never knew these things could be understood. That's what he said. Basically, he saw my report, he just flipped through, he said, a medical jargon, dropped his in. And that day, again, what I'm trying to say, I was just speaking casually. I didn't think any big deal of it. I've done my work, I've submitted my reports. Do you know? It was later on that uh, our governor that time pumped this thing because it exonerated him. They were accusing him of something. The report exonerated him. And so it was in the newspapers. It was on NTA again and again and again. In fact, the first day we watched, my wife and I were, were at a restaurant somewhere. So my wife, I was back in the TV. She just said, hey, look at you. So I like, what do you mean look at me? I'm here in front of you. <laughs> I turned and looked. I saw my face live. Network. Because I was getting calls from all over. Then GSM was everywhere then. I was getting calls from all over the country. Hey, thank you. Hey, thank you. Well done there. All those kind of things. But what I'm telling the story is that the man said, oh, so this thing can be understood. So it can be understood. So I, I just had to understand. What does life have to be had? Why can't you just make it easy? That was the reason I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to teach, of course, in the university. And... God now appointed me to teach the word of God. To God be the glory. Eh? But one of the things people have said to me is, uh-huh. but one day my wife got some messages. She listened and listened and listened. After a while I said, I better let me listen to Pastor Banky. This guy is too hard. But she, wasn't, she, just, she just wanted variety. Variety. And now her brother told me that one day his wife listened to it, tried to get it. So after a while she just said, I give me my Pastor Banky. I beg at least that one. I know they get a headache trying to follow you. They're trying to follow some preachers. They have a headache. I don't mean to disappear for anybody, but I've heard that testimony again and again. That listening to you is easy. You explain things, that you explain profound truths in an easy way. It's a gift, it's an anointing, it's a blessing. That was why I told people those days, you couldn't offer me a million dollars a year to work in an oil company drilling oil and I'll follow you. And I wasn't joking about it. I wasn't joking about it. I had 
had to be somewhere where I'm teaching. I had to just be somewhere where I'm teaching. I will die of, which word now? I don't want to use the word frustration. I will just choke. You know, Jeremiah said, the word became like fire shot up in my bones. If you read Choices Key to Destiny, I wrote the book out of, I can't just sit down and not teach anybody. So I wrote it and sent to my wife. Now, we're not married that time, but I would met her. She was in Benin. I was in Lagos. Somebody go, please give it to this so-and-so person. Say I should give it to her. Tell her, yeah, I said you should give it to her. I just needed to write. And I needed, it, this book that we just released today, Mark of the Beast, all right? Many of you have read it. It's online. Um, it's available now in print. I didn't even plan for us to print it. When all this noise of uh, 5G is killing people, Antichrist wants to put chips in your body, I, was going, that, I just sat down. I must have written this book in, I don't know how many hours, maybe not in one day. But it didn't take me more than two, three days of sit down for a few hours and write it. And I wasn't planning to even publish it. I just, one of my friends, you know, he's in Lagos. I just sent to him, he said, well, please let me go through this, see the, any errors inside. He read through it, gave me do some correction. I gave to my wife, she read. I just put it together and released it. Said, look, all this controversy out there, let's solve it. So when I packaged it and sent it to him to look, he said, Banky, a book is ready. He said, Banky, you too much. I said, it's the grace of God. But do you know the truth? I... Just listen to people talk. I wrote this book in just a few hours. Yeah. Today, now, we got the first uh, pack about an hour before meeting started. It, it, it was not an effort. None. It wasn't an effort. My wife didn't even know I was working. It was, it was nothing. I don't know how you, whether you get my point. It, it was as easy as washing your car every day for like three days. I'm not exaggerating with that. I just sat down and explained a few things. That mark of the beast. They say they want to put something on your hand. And your head. I say, okay, is there an animal that wants to rule you? The mark of the beast. So the Bible says it will be on your what? For, uh, in the right hand or your forehead. I say, is the mark literal? It's a common sense thing. If the beast is not literal, who said the mark will be literal? Are you going to get um, one, one beer will sit down? I am the ruler of the world. I said, if it's not going to be like that, then the mark also is not likely to be on the physical right hand, neither is it likely to be on the physical forehead, nor is it going to be a physical mark. Otherwise, the beast also, also has to be an animal. That's how God taught me scripture. I put everything down in a few hours. It was not an effort for me. If you lock me up in a house where they are coding and decoding and making millions because they are working with, on Facebook and all of that, I don't care how much you are giving me. I will die of fire in my bones. Fire in my bones will kill me. But if you don't pay me, good enough. People sell books. Nothing wrong with selling books. I put our books online. You know what I, what I smile about? How many times you download it? Within the first few weeks, this book was in, that's the electronic copy, was in guaranteed over 3,000 devices. And I said, good, good. Was I being paid? No, I wasn't being paid. But I was getting emails. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Uh-huh, you've clarified this. Uh-huh, now, I said, oh, don't worry about 5G or Antichrist. Don't worry about the Antichrist. But what I'm going to say is that the effort to bring it to, to be, for me, it was, it was not an effort. I have been blessed to be what? A blessing. Again, pardon me. I'm a preacher, so I keep on using that as an example. But you know what happens in life is that we want to just collect our blessing. Let's use the word talent. 
hide it somewhere, and then go and pursue other things. You know, I found that a few days ago. Well, I didn't find it out, but I just used a new word to explain it. If God gives you a gift, and you abandon it, not because he put it in limbo. Sometimes God puts it in limbo. Isaiah 49 says to us, sometimes God hides in a quiver for a while. I was hidden like that for eight years after I finished them NYSE. Well, after I left university. I left university in 91, started ministry in 2000. All right? So for over eight years, I was literally kept. Okay, I did ministry the year after I left school. So for eight years, I was really hidden in the quiver. I wanted, God said no. All right? But so apart from the hiding thing, if you decide by yourself to go and hide your gift until you have done other things, when you come back, one or two things will happen. No, a number of things happen. One, you will not come back. The thing you want to look for will not let you go. You are unlikely to come back. When you do come back, your sacrifice will no longer be acceptable. You hear what I said? Most times we never come back to it, actually. One of the most anointed teachers of the world I knew in my life as a growing young man. Over 30 years I've known him. Till now he's not in ministry. One of the most anointed teachers of the world I've ever seen. I need to say something those days. No, that they'll first go and make money and show to people that they didn't, they are not come to ministry because of money. What did concern you concern people? You know, once there was a bad talk that was going around with Watchmani, about Watchmani in his days. So they said to Watchmani, why don't you respond? He said, it doesn't matter now. He said, if they trust us, they don't need the response. If they don't trust us, they won't believe it. So why do I need to talk? So everybody said everything they wanted to say about him. The man, they didn't say anything. What I'm going to say is that there's nothing you do. Human beings will abuse you. Do you get my point? Even when you are not Look, when I bought my car, it's old now, but that's when I'm still driving. When I bought it that time, I came to Kingdom World Park. One guy looked and said, eh? So this kind of small place, you've gathered enough money to buy this car. It was any one of our brothers. To him, as far as he was concerned, ministry is about gathering money for the pastor. How I bought my car, he doesn't know. Me, I know where I got the money from. I paid for that car for like a year, monthly, you know. I was teaching part-time at Newey that time. As he had paid me salary, I'm sending to the company that paid for the car. But, but when he saw it parked in front of a small ministry, he said, hey, hey, this small place, like this ministry is very efficient. Too. Small but mighty. So you think I needed to sit, sit the guy down and say, eh, it's not ministry. Who cares? Will he believe me anyway? He wouldn't believe me. So what am I trying to do what I want to do to impress anybody? My guy said, they will first go and make money. They will make money. They will not come to ministry. 30 something years later, they have not come to the ministry. Many people tell me, ah, they didn't go abroad, do this when they come back. I say, do you, how many have you seen, how many have you seen back? That is what happens if you leave the gift of God till it is convenient. Go and listen to the message I preached titled, Quench Not the Spirit. You can't quench the spirit. Your first thing you look out for in life is how to take your blessing and bless other people with it. I'm going to stop at that particular point. All right? Let's leave, leave, let's leave that particular one there. Because we are looking at them one by one. I said there are a number of reasons we do business. Number one is what? To be a blessing. God has kept something inside you. Don't deny us. 
You want money, pray about it, but get up and do something. We say, okay, Pastor Bank, what, I, what if I don't know what? Ah, not a problem. For people like you, you know what God does? Do you know the gift that God gave David? Who can tell me the gift God gave David? That no, a special gift, a special skill he had. Playing, singing. Uh-huh. Somebody's a shepherd. Where did you see it as a shepherd, as a gift in his life? It was not a gift. It was the assignment his father gave him. That's where I'm going. The one he had as a special gift. When he died, you know what they called him? The sweet psalmist of Israel. You know, God opened your eyes to the Bible. There are some things. I, I believe that David will play in the court. People will sit down to listen to him play. And then David's gift was not natural. It was a prophetic gift that was manifested in music. David never got up to say, thus is the Lord. But he will, play, he will take his harp. Suddenly he will have visions in his heart. And he just begin to play. Dun, 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 dun. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. It just, and as he's talking like that, it's prophecy. It scribbles down as a psalm. But it's the depth of prophecy. He will pass through with his animals. Wow, this is how the Lord leads us. The way we are in these animals. He'll sit down. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He'll write the song, write the way to play the harp. And then when he became king, gave to the sons of Asaph, gave it to different people. This were the song. And do you know it was a prophetic gift? These were prophecies. 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 That was his gift, though. There was no gift of shepherding in his life. That's where I'm going. You know what shepherding was? Assignment. Davido. Yes, Papa. Oh. He knows now. Carry the sheep down to the brook. Watch out for mountain lions. Oh. Yes, Papa. What are you carrying? It's my harp. Do you need it? When they are feeding, I'll be doing nothing. Okay, okay. What else is that? Is it just a small sheet of papyrus? Is that the instruction for sheep shepherding? No, daddy. When I want to write my song, okay, okay. What else is that? My weapon, my sling. Catapult. I get to fight now. Okay, okay. The guy carries the sheep. He sits down. And he shepherds with all his heart. And that was not his gift. That's where I'm going. So whatever you are doing now, just be a blessing. You put in charge of a shop. Be like Jacob. That Laban will suffer no loss as long as I'm the one in charge. That's all. Just bear that in mind. Whatever you are doing in life, you must be what? A blessing. Let's leave it there today. We'll continue next time. Let's bow down our heads. Let's give the Lord thanks for his word this evening. I don't know how um, the word has come to you. Just say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for instruction. I thank you. Give the Lord thanks. If you've been blessed this evening, then let's give him thanks for sending.